This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. If you need an honest strength coach who's the real deal, contact Bob at webstrengthcoach.com. From Mind Force Radio, this is Natural Strength Night with Maximum Bob. On Natural Strength Night, we don't talk about the other things Bob likes to talk about. Tonight, we only talk strength training. When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something. He's here, the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whalen. Tonight, our guest is my good friend, the firefighter strongman, Jim Duggan. Me and Jim have a bonding in this area, too. We are firefighter brothers. I was a firefighter and EMT for eight years in the Air Force way back in the 70s and early 80s. Big Jim is 51 years old and stands a massively built six feet tall. He is a lifetime drug-free raw powerlifter and strongman competitor in the 275 and 242 pound weight classes. Jim had a bench press that was over 500 pounds, natural with no bench shirt, and a deadlift of 688 pounds. He also won the Bob Hoffman Strongman Challenge in 2000, held in York, Pennsylvania. Jim is a captain in the New York City Fire Department and is assigned to Engine Company 231 in Brownsville, Brooklyn. He has written dozens of great strength training articles for the Dinosaur Files and NaturalStrength.com, where he has his own column in the Special Features section. Big Jim, welcome back to Natural Strength Night. Bob, it's great to be back. First question, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making today with their training? You go to a gym now, one of the things is everybody, it seems, um, and this is one of the things that I noticed going to a commercial gym, everybody uses wears a belt. They wear a training belt or a lifting belt for just about every exercise. <laughs> I, I can see doing it for squats or deads. But you don't need it for curls. You don't do. You don't need it when you're on a machine. And when I when I worked out, when I trained, one of the things I learned at Bruno's was not to wear a belt, not to use a belt. And you actually get stronger, and you your back gets stronger by not wearing it and strengthening your back muscles to the point where you don't need a belt at all. Maybe they want to look cool wearing it. I, I don't know, but that's it's just one of the things you see in the gym now. And I think another mistake people do is. Uh, and this is something that's been going on for years, and it's been started, you know, decades ago, was body part training. You know, going into the gym and, oh, I'm going to work my arms today. 
and then tomorrow I'm going to work my legs. And then the next day you're going to work your chest or some stupid thing. They think it's advanced when it's really, usually when I hear people talk about body part training, I, I think they just picked up their first copy of Muscle and Fiction. Exactly. They read that, <laughs> they think that you're going to get big, big that way, and you're not. You train your body as a whole. Your body is not just a collection of body parts. You train your body as a whole to get stronger and get bigger. Just as you wouldn't just eat for your arms or your legs, you wouldn't just sleep for your arms and your legs. You train your body. You see guys using straps for ridiculous things. Just like you said, I mean, e even even training for deadlifts, it helps not to use the straps because you want to get your grip stronger. But you go to the gym now and you see guys using straps for like rowing and uh, all kinds of stuff, curls. They just want to look cool with the straps. I've seen guys do it with like flat pull downs, which I, w I would think mm -hmm. would be dangerous, right? I mean, you get your hands caught up there, <laughs> but I I've seen that. Curls, deadlifts. And like you said, you your hands get stronger by learning to to deadlift and the grip things without the straps. The straps become a crutch. Your hands get weaker. And that's not the whole... You, you want your body to get stronger. The straps are not going to make you stronger. You're going to get stronger by strengthening your grip and by working it without straps, without any other aids. And, Jim, where are you doing most of your training now? Are you doing it mostly in the fire department gym or do you have a commercial gym that you go to? I have a gym that's about uh, five minutes from my house that I go to. It's, it's not a bad place. It's got decent equipment. And it's close. Uh, it's convenient. And I also have uh, stuff at home. Unfortunately, I don't have a garage, but I have room. I can I can work out in my house. I can work outside when it's nice out. And I can, between here and working out of the gym, I, I can get my training in. Are there any fads in strength training today that you wish you could change? The general population that works out, that trains, they, they're just brought up and they're raised on the, reading the, the muscle comics, muscle and fiction and some of these other uh, magazines that really don't offer much in the way of useful strength training information. I mean, obviously, they have to sell their magazines and they have to make money, but they're not offering anything useful in terms of training information. Unfortunately, most people, they go to the, go to the store, you buy these magazines, or get them online now. It's not like, you know, the old, like the old Iron Man magazine or the old, you know, Strength and Health magazine where the information that was put out was useful. You can use it. You can improve. You can get stronger by reading it. Now, what's out there now, it's, it's sad. It's, it's just, um, like you said, muscle and fiction. Muscle and fiction, like you said before. There's not a lot of good information out there um, as far as magazines go. There's good websites, but there's not a lot of good magazines out there. Yeah, it's, that's the sad part. You know, when I started working out, I guess, you know, when I was in my, my teens, you, you can still get, you know, muscular development on the, on the magazine, on the, uh, you know, at a magazine stand. Iron Man was kind of hard to find, but it was out there. You can you can get Iron Man. There was there were some good magazines out there, and I think over the years, in the last twenty thirty years, it's just you know the magazine industry has gone downhill. I used to look forward to buying Muscular Development and Strength and Health, and looking forward to getting it every month at the uh, at the newsstand. It was, it was something I actually looked forward to. Yeah, I couldn't wait till the next one came out. One of the things I I you know I started reading Muscular Development. I guess around I was around sixteen. And not every newsstand had it. And it was, I used to look forward to going to the one place I knew had it like every month and getting it. And uh, it, it was cool. It was, it, was, it was a nice thing to look forward to, you know, when you were a kid. You know, you didn't have the Internet. You, didn't, you couldn't just go on your phone and look this stuff up. You had to wait a month. You had to wait till, you know, till it came out. And it was worth the wait. The it, was a good it was a good quality magazine.
How old were you, Jim? And how did you find out when you first found out about Perry Raider's Iron Man? It was just pure dumb luck. I just uh, stepped into it. I didn't, uh, you know, I saw it and I read about it, and that's how I got involved. And then once I joined Bruno's, I was 19 when I joined Bruno's. Larry had, in addition to York, strength and health, and uh, muscular development, he had Ironmans. He didn't have anything weeder that was not not allowed in his gym, but anything Hoffman or Perry Rader, he had. Same with me. That's and, all I read, and I, it was. I love how you said it was just a stroke of dumb luck. Because me too. The first eleven or twelve years of training, I never heard of Iron Man or Perry Rader. You couldn't get it on the newsstands. You had to be lucky enough to know someone who knew about it. I never heard of it. And so it wasn't until I was in the Air Force that I, I heard about it. And just by luck, I just met someone in the gym who had one, and uh, I signed up. But, yeah, it, 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 that was a great magazine. It's just too bad that after after 86, it got ruined. You know, I guess reading Iron Man, it covered everything. It covered, you know, weightlifting, powerlifting, uh, strongman. It, and the articles are really, really good. And I was... You know, teenager. I don't. You don't. You don't know a good article from a bad article when you're that age. But it was just something about that magazine that was quality, and it was just a good thing to read. And the same with uh, with the Hoffman magazines. And and by the way, two days ago was Bob Hoffman's birthday. How old were you been? One hundred and seventeen. Yep. You, you talk about somebody who contributed to the Iron Game, and uh, Bill Hinburn. Uh, I, I get his uh, email newsletter every day wrote a nice piece about him the other day. And um, you talk about somebody who contributed to the Iron Game and was responsible for more for putting barbells in the hands of more people than anybody else was, I think, that was the way that Bill Inburn referred to him. And it, it was. I mean, how many people grew up with York and using York barbells and, and York equipment? Yeah, I swore by York. I wouldn't use any other. I mean, I think probably for the first 40 years of my training, I never had any other weight except for York. You know, it's only been in the last 10, 10 years or so that I've got a few Ivanko things, but it's been, you know, I grew up just like you. It had to be York or I didn't want it. And that was, that was dumb luck too. I, I joined Bruno's. It was just uh, on a whim. It was a, it was a gym that was lo uh, located close to where I lived. And I, I just stepped into it. I was very lucky. And um, it was York equipment all the way. Everything was York. Larry with the, he would drive down to York in his, in his uh, Pinto to pick up the equipment himself. <laughs> yeah, Larry sounded like a great guy. I wish I could have met him. Yeah, you would have liked him a lot. He was a hell of a man. And uh, we, a lot of us from Bruno's, we still get together. We still keep in touch. And we still uh, we still throw around the York weights. And I still have uh, I, I, I have a lot of York stuff here. I, I collect it now. But um, one of the good things to know is that York seems to be making a comeback. They're offering a some good equipment now, and they're offering a nice line of equipment and products, and they seem to be on the way back, which is good. There was a period of time in the, I think it was in the 90s, late 90s, when uh, I think York was owned by a Chinese company. Roger LaPointe was talking about that during his podcast, but there were some low times when their equipment was breaking, and it was just sad to hear that. That That's when I started to buy some Avanco equipment, but I'm glad that uh, York is coming back. It's like they say, it's the, the strongest name in fitness, and it's it's great to have him back. Because I have a lot of York stuff here. I have a nice collection of the old uh, Strength and Health and Muscular Development magazines. 
and it's it's good to look back, but it's also good to know that they're they're back today, and you know the future's looking bright. Hopefully, yeah, I have several thousand pounds. All my stuff, practically, probably ninety something percent of my stuff is York. Once you buy that stuff, it's good forever. You never got to replace it. So I, I probably bought most of my stuff in the eighties. The stuff that I still have, I love the old York stuff. And it's as good today as it was back then, I'm sure. Right, the quality, it's still, you know, it's probably still the bar. A 30 year old York bar is probably as good today or better today than most of the stuff that's made. You know, you find in the gym today, in the commercial gym today. I think you get together once a year, don't you, and have a toast to Bruno? We try to get together uh, every year or on the holidays. Uh, so actually, it'll be soon. Hopefully, in, you know, next few weeks. We'll get together for dinner, and uh, we try to get as many guys as possible. It's it's hard to keep in touch with, with people. We'll try to get about seven or eight of us together. We'll we'll go to a uh, local restaurant where we used to you know go after uh, workouts and after contests. We'll have a toast to Larry, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the old times. Like Jack Elaine, you do something every year on your birthday, and you were talking about that in your last podcast. So I think your birthday's in July, right? It's July, July 20th. What did you do this year on your birthday? This year what I did was uh, was stones. Um, I, I took my 180-pound stone, and I uh, tried to do as many reps as possible in one hour. And I did, uh, I was able to do 64 in, uh, in just under an hour. And, Is that uh, cleaning the stone or cleaning and pressing it, or what did you do with it? Cleaned it, and I brought it up to my shoulder. Clean, up to the shoulder, lower it, and then back up again. Yeah, that's a hell of was, a workout. Yeah, truer words were never spoken. It was, my hands my hands were beat up pretty good, my forearms were beat up pretty good, and you know, I was, you know, I was very sore obviously for a couple of days, but it was, uh, I didn't think it would, I didn't think I would be that sore <laughs> afterwards because it was only for an hour, but the next couple of days I was, I was, I was hurt, and my forearms were You beat must up. have been drenched in sweat. The problem is, is once, once you sweat and you get sweat on the stone, now the the stone you, you get dirt. You know you get dirt in your eye. You have to wipe down the stone. You have to wipe. You know you need a towel to wipe yourself down. You lose some time cleaning yourself up because you, you're all saying here's mud in your eye. Well, that's that's what happens sometimes. Yeah, it, it was it was it was hot and yeah, I was sweating. I was dirty. I was filthy, and my forearms looked like uh, raw chopped meat afterwards. Yeah, because you don't use those leather those leather protective covers that that Roger sells. I know you do them with just your bare forearms on the rough granite, right? Yeah, the the gauntlets I think they're called, right? I, yeah, I don't wear them. I, I I don't know. I just think it looks kind of cool to have, you know, to have it you have your have, have you look like you've been through the ringer after a tough workout. I just thought it looked kind of cool. It looks cool to have your forearms looking like raw hamburger meat, right, Jim? <laughs> Anybody looks <laughs> me up there? Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> As a lifetime drug-free lifter, uh, what training volume has worked best for you? I know some guys like to train twice a week. Some like to train three times a week, whole body. And I think you've done both. Tell us about the different things you've tried and which which way works best for you. I, I tried both ways. I tried uh, three days a week, and I train. Uh, and currently, what I'm doing is twice a week. And I, I think you really have to be attuned to your own body, and I think you have to be smart enough to know what what you're capable of doing. And if you can handle three days a week, then by all means, you know, tr- you know, train according to what's best for you. Right now, I I will lift. You know, I like to lift twice a week, 
and I train my whole body. I don't train, you know, heavy or light. I try to train, you know, as hard as I can. There might be times where if I'm doing, like, one of my favorite exercises is doing, you know, good mornings, I might not always go heavy on the good mornings. I might alternate one week where I go for heavy weight and low reps, the following week lighter weight and higher reps. But the other exercises, I try to stay. I'll, I'll try to train hard. And twice a week, lifting is usually works out pretty good with me. I might be able to train three times a week for a short period of time. I don't push it. Mm-hmm. If I feel myself feeling sluggish or sore, then I'll back off and go back to twice a week. But I think either way is good. I think for me, myself, training twice a week heavy works out fine. Mm-hmm. Also, too, is uh, I'm, I'm 51 years old. If I was 31, I might be a little bit different. I might be able to lift, you know, work out three days a week all year. As you get older, you got to be a little bit smarter, and you have to, you know, train smarter, not harder sometimes, and you have to listen to your body, and you know your body better than anybody else, and if something works for you, then you continue, and if it's something that's not working, if it's something that's holding you back or causing you pain or discomfort, then it's time to reevaluate what you're doing and change. Yeah, I'm 61 now. I definitely know what you're talking about. And sometimes uh, I've trained twice a week most of my life, but sometimes I change it a little bit and don't even hold it to twice in seven days. I put a little bit of uh, flexibility in it and go twice every seven to ten days. Sometimes that extra day or two of rest, I'll train one day and take three or four days off and then train again. But uh, I, I agree with you about twice a week work, works best for me. Three times a week can work. I've had a few experiments when I, where I've tried it. And the main thing with me, if, if three times a week works for me, it has to be a lower volume workout. Like if I train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if you change the routine around a little bit and maybe not make every one of them whole body or not make every one of them long, you know, if you have like just three or four exercises, it's possible to make it work, but if you get a little more volume, then I think twice a week works a lot better. Absolutely, I agree. I, I think if I was training three times a week, I, I wouldn't be deadlifting more than once a week. For me, I get best results if I deadlift once a week. If I try to do it twice, it's uh, it's kind of productive. I squatted twice a week. I, I've been able to do that, but again, I, I prefer just squatting once a week and. Bench pressing, I've always benched for a long time. I've always, I've always benched once a week. Even when I was competing, I would, I would have one bench press workout a week. I was always worried about overdoing it, doing too many bench presses, and getting to a point where a lot of people do when you hit your 40s and sometimes even earlier. Benching, you, you injure your shoulders. You get impingement. You get you know, rotator cuff issues. And it's, uh, it's something I was always in the back of my mind, even when I was competing. It was I always wanted to avoid it. I wanted to avoid having any issues with my shoulders because that's a mm-hmm. tough injury to come back from. Yeah, I agree. That's one thing I'm doing right now, I'm experimenting with it, and this is what I'm doing. I train twice a week, but my upper body, you know, I still do the, the main workout of the, you know, one-day squat, one-day deadlift. But I rotate the upper body into three different things. So let's just say you train Monday, Friday. I do 
the Monday Friday workout, but I have a third day, so I have an A B C. So I'll do upper body A on Monday, upper body B on Friday, then upper body C on Monday, then start again with upper body A. So I'm getting a little bit extra rest, and that that seems to work pretty good. So I'm still training twice a week, but I'm uh, I'm fitting three upper body into it. I keep the legs pretty much the same, you know, because it's mainly squat and deadlift. But I like to experiment because sometimes you find things that, especially when you get older, my shoulders definitely need more recovery. Putting the three days in there seems to work better for me now. I think that's a pretty good idea, you know, rotating the exercises. I, I do that sometimes, too. I, I think it's a smart move. And before, we, we were talking about mistakes. You see in the gym, that's something also, I, and I didn't mention this, guys do entirely too many sets of bench presses followed by countless sets of incline presses then they, they sometimes they'll, they'll do decline presses and you, you now you get into a point you're doing 15 20 sets of some sort of variation of the bench press and it's mm-hmm. just too much and you know and everybody wants to bench a lot of weight everybody you know you go to the gym that's that's all they want to know is what you bench i i, I get it but to, 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 <laughs> to, to, to that many benching that much bench pressing to the exclusion of overhead pressing, you're just inviting shoulder problems at some point later on, maybe not now in your 20s, but at some point, you, you, your shoulders are not going to be, it's just too much work and too much strain on your shoulders, especially your, your front uh, deltoids. It's, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're inviting shoulder problems down the road. People put way too much of their ego into that one lift. Bench press is a great lift. We all love to bench, and we all love to be proud of our bench press, but it really isn't the most important thing. I mean, you shouldn't judge your whole manhood on that one lift. It's like no one ever says, how much can you bent over row? They never ask you, how much can you squat? It's, it's a shame, too, because squats or deadlifts are probably a, a better indicator of your true overall body strength, especially the deadlift. I think that's probably the, the, the best and the, the uh, most accurate way of determining your, your overall body strength is, is doing deadlifts. Yeah, I agree. It's a tough lift. And when, when you do it in high reps, and this is, not, this is something that I didn't really learn until I, I started training at Iron Island with Dr. Mm-hmm. Ken and with Drew, deadlifts for high reps is one hell of a workout. And you can really build tremendous strength by doing high rep deadlifts. And like I said, when I was competing in powerlifting, for me, high reps was anything more than five. But when I started training in Iron Island, it's, it's true. I mean, yeah. for most lifters, you know, five, you know, anything more than five, it was was considered bodybuilding. Anything over five reps in powerlifting is considered cardio. Cardio. Yeah, that's, that's how it was. Usually you, you did triples. In, in the Brunos, we did triples. You didn't do doubles because Larry hated doubles. He, he felt that a double was only a, a lucky single. So we, we did triples. But mm-hmm. you know, when, I started, when I started training in Iron Island, and I met Drew and Dr. Ken, and, you know, they loaded the bar, and, all right, you're going to do 20 reps. 20 reps over 20 sets? How, how am I doing it? One, one set of 20? That was, I, I couldn't believe it, you know. And then I saw how hard Drew trained and how hard they trained over there. I said, wow. And the first time I tried it, you know, I was gassed. I mean, you know, you're exhausted. You know, the results, the results are incredible, and it's, it's a great way to build strength. And you, you get very strong, and it's a great exercise, and it's a great way to, to, to get stronger. High rep deads. The hard work, I've seen people get results, you have too, with every type of deadlifting. And I've seen people who only do low rep deadlifts and get great results. And I've seen people do high rep deadlifts like Drew and get great results. So 
I think it all just boils down to how hard you're working. If you're working really hard on the low reps or if you're working really hard on the high reps, you're going to get good results, you know, if, if you're adding weight when it gets too light. The progression system that people use is one of the biggest mistakes people make is they, they don't know when to add weight. Because even, even hard work isn't going to always do it, you know, because if you're working hard, hard work alone isn't going to get you stronger. People that are smart enough, they train hard and then add weight. And a, a mistake some people make is they just think working hard alone is going to do it. That's, that's why calisthenics alone aren't going to get you real strong because you're not adding any more weight or just training with lightweight all the time and not adding weight, or training with a weight you're comfortable with, and you've been using that same weight for months and months and months, even though you're working hard, you're not really going to get stronger because you're not increasing the weight. So, and Jim, speaking of this, what, what, what are some of the progression systems that you use? Do you have a system, or do you just go by instinct, and when you feel the time is right, add weight? Or how do you do it? I try, I usually go by, you know, what I feel, you know, I guess it would be like instinct. You would you would describe it as uh, instinct. If I'm if I'm working out, I will try to do. So I'll just take a, an example of what I've been trying to. I, over the uh, summer, I read the uh, I read the book uh, Muscle Smoke and Mirrors, and I read about Bruce Randall, and I read about his incredible how he used the uh, the Good Morning exercise, and he was using over 400 pounds, which was incredible. Wow. And I tried. And I, and I always like doing good mornings. I never had a problem with them. I know a lot of people can't do them, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I've always had success. It, it never bothered me, and I was o- always able to do them without injury, without pain. So I wanted to try to push it, and I, what I did was I would do the good mornings once a week, usually, and I would either one week I would do it heavy. I would build up to a heavy set of, like, six reps, and then the following week I would back it off a little bit and just do high reps. And I got to a point where I did about... I got up to about 335 pounds for six reps, and wow! For my, my lighter workout, I I got up to 235 for 30 reps, and it was you know you really feel it afterwards. But I thought it was a I thought the high reps were a good conditioner, and I think it was a good way of keeping myself from going stale from just constantly doing heavy reps. And a lot of times I will do that is I'll take a lift and I might go you know heavy for a couple of weeks where I won't go, you know, higher than six reps. And then mm-hmm. after like three or four weeks, I'll back it off, drop the weight a little bit, and go higher. And, again, that's something I picked up from Drew and working out at Iron Island. You can still get incredibly strong by doing high rep work. And I've been able to use that in squatting, deadlifting, uh, good mornings. The one exercise I really never got good results with doing high reps was overhead pressing. I just can't get into doing 20 reps overhead. But that's really the only the only yeah. exercise. I really never did that. But the squatting, deadlifting, good mornings, and even bent over rowing, I was able to do mix in heavy sets, which six reps, five or six reps, and then I would back off and then do higher reps. And it, it seemed to work. I never use high reps for upper body. For good mornings, I'm the same as you. I love good mornings. They're one of my favorites. We talked about this on a previous podcast, and I've never got hurt by good mornings either. But that's because I do them with my knees always extremely bent. I mean, I don't have my knees straight and locked at all, and I take a wide stance. So my feet are wider than shoulder width, 
and my knees are very bent. I mean, you can, you can look from far away and see that I have bent knees. There's no doubt about it. And then, so with your knees very bent and wide-legged, and plus I've been doing them my whole life, I, I never got hurt. When you get older, your posture, because, you know, that's why both of us walk straight and upright, and we're not bent over and slouched like most people when they get older. We're walking straight, and we're not slouching, and we have the posture of a 25-year-old because our, all of our spinal muscles are very well exercised. But I think it's, you know, I'm not recommending everyone do the good morning because most people, if they don't know how to do it right, like we do, it can be dangerous, but I would say don't automatically discard the exercise because if you do it right, it can be a very good exercise. I think so. I think you hit the nail right on the head. And and you have to know. You have to, through experimentation, through trial and error, you know what works for you. We'll be back with more right after this. This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com. Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling Enlarginine product in the marketplace now for more than three years. It is also the top-selling product at VitalNutritionStore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elwart, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com. Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor, Osmo Kihaw, describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real-world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees' understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. 
Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach? Just like all the celebrities do. Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of WebStrengthCoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one training with Bob through his website webstrengthcoach.com he will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs a program right for you bob will give you feedback after every workout this is old school fitness and nutrition no fads and no gimmicks bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied so visit webstrengthcoach.com today and let bob help you reach your best self webstrengthcoach.com Do you enjoy history without social engineering? Reading about our founding fathers? Economics from a capitalist perspective? Wisdom from modern patriots? Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com. Great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old-time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good, Honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen. To maximize your natural muscular and strength potential, please visit physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation. A masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, iron game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters for lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. Order now at ironnation.com. That's I R O N nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on Mindforce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30- or 60-second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on MindForceRadio.com. You're listening to Natural Strength Night on Mindforce Radio. I can't do, if I try doing like upright rows with a barbell, it kills my shoulders. I hate that. I, I cannot do them. I can't do them. I remember years ago, Drew bought a, um, 
the deadlift, uh, the hammer strength deadlift machine. I couldn't use that thing either. Every time I used it, I wound up hurting my back. I did not use it. So I, I, I stopped mm-hmm. them. after twice, after getting her twice, you say to yourself, all right, well, this isn't working. Let's try something else. So, like I said, with good mornings, I never had a problem. Bent over rows, I never had a problem. And even even today, we talk about things that go on in the in the gym, and you don't see it, but if you go to a commercial gym, you see this guy's doing bent over rows and tied in the wrong way. They don't bend over. They bend over maybe like a quarter of a way. They bend over slightly. They take an underhand grip. They pull the bar into their into their waist. It's not an effective back exercise. It might be working. And their knees, their knees aren't bent enough either. Right? Their knees aren't bent enough. Their knees are almost like straight, and they wonder why they hurt their back. Yeah, it's. I, I maybe they see it. Maybe they they pick it up in the in a magazine or something. But it's the best. You, you bend over. You grab the bar. You pull it, and you you bend your knees. You pull it a little bit. You, you know, it's it's not going to be a perfectly strict exercise, but you can use a lot of weight. You can push it, and like anything else. If it works for you, continue doing it. But you have to continue, and you, you mentioned this before, you have to push the poundage. You have to add weight. When it gets easy, you have to challenge yourself. You have to add weight. And progression is the key. You have to you, you have right. to work harder, but you have to, you have to force the poundages. It's called progressive resistance. It's not called stagnant resistance. It's progressive. You're adding, <laughs> you're pushing yourself. That's right. Yeah, one of my pet peeves, you just reminded me, when you see people doing the bent over row, they're usually heaving it and just yanking it. And, you know, they, they're giving an initial heave and yank, and then the bar is kind of flying up against gravity on its own, where your muscles aren't really controlling it. They're not really, con- they're not really tense when they're pulling it up. It's just an initial yank, and then the bar flies up in the air, and they, they kind of bounce it off their stomach. You know what I mean? So it's like a heave. And, a, and the bar bounces off their stomach and then comes right down again. You get a lot better results if you pull it up under control. I'm not saying slow, but hold it a split second. Just try to just have a split second where you're holding that bar before you let it down. That makes a big difference. It makes a big difference, and it also decreases the chance that you're going to get hurt because we all know once you start jerking things and, and try heaving things, you know, you're inviting injury, and you know now now you've just taken a great movement and you hurt yourself, and you're gonna you're not gonna get the results that you want. So, and getting hurt is a drag. Nobody wants to do that. By doing it, like you said, right. if you hold it or any exercise. You, if you when you bench press, lower the bar, pause at the chest, lock it out, and hold it. You know, I'm not saying you hold it for <laughs> you know 20 seconds. You just hold it enough, and you control the weight. Don't let the weight control you. Don't bounce it off your chest, right? It doesn't have to be a picture-perfect competition powerlifting bench press, but do it under control. Lower it, right. pause, lock it out, hold, repeat. I always try to have a split-second pause in the, the mid-range. I try to pause for a split second before I lower the weight. On bench press, I'm real strict. I come down to my uh, lower chest, and I pause the bar and just like you and me know from powerlifting, I mean, all the different judges, they're completely different. Some judges make you pause for a long time. Others don't make you pause at all. So you have to train to be ready for the strict judge. So I used to pause for at least two seconds on my chest before I'd push it up. It's a good habit to get into to train 
in a stricter way, you know, like don't bounce and yank the weights around because the stricter you train, you know, the better results you're going to get. If you're just bouncing and throwing stuff around, you're going to get hurt and you're only fooling yourself because you're not really lifting it properly. I used to do the exact same thing. We used to train at Bruno's. We we always paused for two or three seconds because you never knew what kind of a judge you would get. And we always liked to have, you know, the strictest bench we did was in the gym. So when when you went to a contest, the pause that you would get from the, the head judge would always seem would always seem shorter by comparison to, compared to what we trained. That's for. exactly right. And we that's and to this day that's how I do it. Um, you know, you go to a gym and you see guys benching now. They they bounce it off their chest. They don't lock it out. They have the training partner help them lift it off, and it's they call it a bench press, and it's not. And it's even some of the things you see on, like, you go on, like, YouTube and you see about, you know, so-and-so just benched, you know, so-and-so benches 700 pounds. And, you know, you read, oh, wow, okay, let me look at this. See the guy, he's got, like, two or three training partners helping him with the bar. He bounces it off his chest, never locks it out because his friends take it halfway up, and they call out a bench press, and sorry to say, it's not. And right. also... Most you know the last powerlifting contest I went to, the last couple I went to, which was a few years ago, the judging was such a joke. It's it's nothing compared to what you know what the sport was meant to be. It's, it's guys squatting high, no pauses on the bench press, and not you know not even to mention the equipment. But it's just uh, it's become a joke. Sorry to say. One of my pet peeves: people don't lock out anymore. There's like a new definition of lockout, which is like a negative term. So you always hear people say, don't lock out because you're going to hurt yourself. You know, you want to keep constant tension on the muscle, so don't lock out. So what they do is almost every single lift, no matter what it is, you go to the gym, they're only doing about three quarters of the lift, if that, sometimes only half the lift whether it's an assistance exercise or a main exercise, it doesn't matter. Most people in the gym, let's just, you could take any exercise. Let's say uh, an assistance, let's just say tricep push downs, right? Well, they're only going about halfway up and then they're only going about two thirds of the way down. So they're actually only moving the, they're only moving it about six inches at the most. That That's just an assistance exercise. Now on a military press, they only go about three-quarters of the way up because they don't want to lock out because they somehow think that's bad for their joint or something. But I think someone 20 years ago wrote an article about locking out can be damaging to the joint. And I wrote an article about this in the Iron Master back in 1995, I think it was. But I was trying to explain the difference between forceful lockout versus regular lockout you shouldn't be able to notice it with the naked eye you know it just means don't hyperextend. don't hyperextend and forcefully grind your joint no one with common sense would ever even do that so just just reading it is negative because it's going to make people not train properly so now over the years people have taken that and they've gone to the extreme to the point where now they're only doing half to three quarters of the exercise because they don't lock out anymore. Well, is this, I guess continuous tension or is this, is this has anything to do with that time under tension theory that I think I might, might have read about that you keep your muscle under continuous tension and it's supposedly better for you. I, I never understood it, but then again, <laughs> I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand what is, 
what does buff mean? Or what does jack mean? You hear guys, they, I want to get jacked. What does that mean? I, I don't I never understand. <laughs> You're going to get Carjacked outside in the parking lot? Uh, what, what is that? <laughs> what is buff? I, I, I never... Lived I, I hate those 30, words. 30 some odd years. Over 30 some I What does buff mean? I, I, I could, what, is, what does that mean? What does buff and jack mean? I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I think it's the... Uh, I, I think to the to the toners, it means muscular. I don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> well you, you know, you see a lot of toners and pump... You, you're going to have that in every gym, no matter where you go. And I always write that it's the people who have the luxury of being able to train at home exclusively. You really miss out on having to deal with a lot of what you see in the gym, the toners and the posers and the pumpers and, and everything else. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big difference, training at home and training in the gym. I mean, if you know what you're right. doing and, and if, you, if you're good at ignoring a lot of silliness, then it's, you know, a commercial gym is a good move. But... You know, right. Some of the things you see just make you laugh. It really does. Right. For for those out there who do believe in the constant tension theory, who want to keep constant tension on your muscles, well, that doesn't mean to cut half of the range of motion out. Okay. So if you do want to keep constant tension on an exercise, it means that you barely can see the the cutout of the movement with the naked eye. So if you're doing a military press, you're still going to go 99% of the way up. You're just cutting a fraction of it out that you can barely see with the naked eye unless you were staring at it and studying it. So if you saw someone training, he'd go all the way up with a slight pause, under control, and then down slow, and you would keep constant tension, but you would not cut the range of motion out so that you're only going about three-quarters of the way up. That's what we're talking about. I, I think, too, is, is you can do that. That's sort of using a machine, and there are a lot of good machines out there that you can use that for. And I think Drew, when he had the uh, his Medex, um, his uh, squat machine, his leg machine, he had me on there one day, and he said it's so that, you know, you went all the way down, your your knees were in your armpits, and then when you pressed away, it was a leg press machine, you didn't completely lock out your knee. You got to a point by like 99% of lockout, so you didn't lock right. out the knee because what you would do when you did high reps, you know, when you locked out, you would rest for a few seconds, take a few breaths, and then resume the set. He didn't want you resting at all. He wanted you working continuously. So you push it out to like 99%. You aren't getting any rest when you're, you know, when you're, when you're almost locked out. You're still under stress, under tension, whatever you want to call it. And then you would continue the set until you did your 20 or 30 reps. And I was it was right. a, the Medex leg press, I think it was. It was an excellent machine, um, and he got great results with it. And sometimes too, when when we when he had the uh, the hammer leg strength machine, he'd do a similar thing. He, he wouldn't let you lock it out and just you know rest for you know ten seconds, right? When you locked it out, you lowered the weight again all the way down. Um, it was everything was under control, so. Yeah, I guess you could say that was, you know, continuous tension, but it wasn't, we did full reps. I mean, when you did a leg press at, at Drew's, your knees were completely, you know, like they were into your armpits, and then you moved the weight under control. You moved fast. Right, you, know, you didn't, you you didn't did cut out pose. a third of the range of motion. You still went 99% of the way up 
you know, you went full range of motion, and whatever range of motion you were taking out to keep constant tension was barely visible to the naked eye. You, you were just slightly a fraction of not locking out just to keep that tension on there, but you weren't lower, you, you weren't cutting the, 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 the range of motion by 25%. Right. So that's what guys in the gym do now, you know, just like what you were talking about. They go to the gym and they're only doing half reps. It's a half rep and you're not getting the benefit of the exercise. You know, if you were doing cartwheels on a power rack, that's a different story. But, when you know, when you're only doing, you know, and and then half the time, their training partners are helping them complete the set anyway. So it's, (laughs) I, I, I don't understand the whole theory of it. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, you don't want to train in the vacuum, but sometimes when you're exposed to too many of what you see at a typical commercial gym, you know, you're better off training by yourself sometimes. What assistance exercises worked best for you when you were competing in powerlifting? I like to use the power rack a lot. For a meet, for, if I was training for a contest, uh, I used it for all three lifts, squat, the bench, the dead. For squatting, I would set it at uh, two different heights. I would set it uh, at around 42 inches, which would give me about a little bit deeper than a half squat. Uh, I'm about six feet tall, so I would set it at 42 inches. And then I would set it, uh, the other depth I would set it would be low to the point where the ball would be, uh, I would be you know, a little bit lower than parallel. So I would set up those two positions. I would start with the uh, the high bar squat. I would do several sets, and then I would do from the low position. And that was, it's basically what I did for the squat. For bench pressing, my, my favorite assistance exercise was also rack lockouts. I would set the bar about halfway up. I was always strong off the chest. Um, my lockout was always a little bit. If I, if I had a weak part, a weak point of my of the bench press, was locking it out. So I would set the bar about halfway up, and I would do my sets, you know, from there. And then what I would do afterwards, I would set the pins lightly below my chest. I would just do. Uh, bench press with an extra long pause. I would lower it down and I would just keep it on my chest for like anywhere from like 5 to 10 seconds and then push it up. And if I did that, I was usually in a power rack, but I usually had somebody spotting me too, just to make sure. Uh, and most of the time, you know, if I if it was at Bruno's, it was with Larry or one of the other guys from the gym, we, we'd work it like that. We'd do the two positions, high and low. And then for the deadlift, my favorite my favorite assistance exercise for the deadlift was uh, deadlifts off a block. We'd have like a uh, like a 12-inch or a 16-inch uh, plywood block. Place the bar on top of it, and you just bend all the way down and pull it up. It wasn't just a stiff-legged deadlift. Our knees were slightly bent, but we worked up with these sets of anywhere from sets of three to six. I would do that, and my other my other exercise that I like to do, I still like to do to this day, is I mentioned this before, with the good mornings. And slightly bent mm-hmm. uh, knees, I would take a squat stance, and I would slightly bend my knees, and I and I did sets. I usually do I would do like three or four sets of them. I work up to a heavy weight. So that those are my two favorite assistance exercises for the dead. Yeah, let, let me rephrase the question for the uh, for the squat and for the the bench press not variations of those exercises, right? So what other exercises 
were your favorite assistance exercises? Like what other exercises did you do to help your bench press and what other exercises did you do? And, you know, what, like when you were powerlifting. So, so I guess right now you've done uh, good mornings because that's a different exercise that's helped your powerlifting. Did you ever do like close grip bench or uh, what, what other exercises that weren't the big three that you did you do that helped your powerlifting? Well, uh, for the squat, we did uh, do leg extensions and leg curls, and it really wasn't. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a, an exercise more than, a, than it's a lift, but I would just do them in addition to you know the rack work. For the bench press, the exercise I like to do there were two. I like to do um, overhead work, uh, usually you know, a standing barbell press. Sometimes I did seating, you know, sitting down, but usually standing press or Another exercise I like to do, I still like to do this day, um, parallel bar dips. And I would do them with, oh, yeah. with extra weight. So I thought they were a good movement. If you're going to add weight, if you're going to you know, wear a belt with an, and add additional weight, you got to take it slow. you got to be under control. You have to do it slowly. You can't just you know, drop down and push up. Again, you, you, you can hurt your shoulders. I think parallel bar dips were, were an excellent exercise. I like using them. And to this day, I still like to do them. Yeah, tell us about your uh, tell us your opinion about Dick Connors' theory that training gear attracts drug users, and if you want to stop drugs and powerlifting, you must greatly reduce the use of the crazy gear they now use. Do you agree? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting theory, and he, he probably is right. It, it's probably it's probably an accurate statement because if you think about it, the whole idea you of using the equipment is you're trying to lift as much weight as possible. You're trying to elevate and, and, and add as much weight to each lift as you can. And it's the same theory behind, you know, taking steroids. You're trying to increase your lift, and you'll use whatever means is necessary, whether it be a pill or a shot or a bench shirt or a super-duper double denim bench shirt or... Whatever it is, the whole idea is to right. lift more and more. So I, I guess the, I, I guess it does make some sense. I guess yeah, he might be onto something with that. But you know, you think about it. You know, the the end justifies the means. Whatever it takes to hoist more weight in the bench or pull up more weight in the deadlift, whatever it takes to do that, you're going to do it. So I guess if you get rid of one, you get rid of the other. I it's. It, it might make some sense, yeah. I think I think you might be right. Yeah, Jim, we have time for one last one. Um, how do you train your grip? I like the grippers, the uh, captains of crush grippers. I like them. I think they. Uh, I get a kick out of them. I keep uh, I keep a set at the firehouse. If I have some free time, I'll take them and use them. What I'll usually do them, I'll, I'll do them on days that I don't train. Or if it's if I do them on a day that I'm working out, I do it after the workout. You know, we mentioned before that you can't. It doesn't make sense to wipe out your hands prior to going through a workout because now you're you're useless. Your hands are very important, obviously. But right. if it was if I if I'm working my grip on a day that I lift, it's after the workout, or it's lifting on a day that I'm not training, and it's usually uh, grippers. And I like them. Uh, I have a couple of the other Ironmind stuff, the uh, the uh, the Weaver stick, the the variation of the Weaver stick, the uh, you know, the hammer thing, uh, you know, the pinch grip lock, and the Rolling Thunder. But I, I just like grippers. It's I, I like doing it. 
when you use the gripper, um, how do you do it? Do you uh, do you do reps with it, or do you do you hold it for time, or do you put a coin in there and see how long you can hold it so the coin doesn't fall out? I know some guys do that. Or do you uh, like when you close it? Do you try to hold it closed for a few seconds before you let it open, or what? What are the techniques that you use when you use the gripper? I'll try to. I'll just try to do it for reps. Um, I don't try. I don't do the holds. Um, I tried them once. I didn't really like them. I just like doing doing the reps. I I I'll take the gripper. I don't use a set. I don't. I just grab it in my hand. I don't try to set it in my hand with with my other hand. I just grab it and I'll just try to squeeze as many reps as I can. I will try to hold the reps on like the uh, on the on the heavier grippers. I try to hold it. Uh, sometimes I'm successful. Sometimes I'm not. But depending on how I'm feeling that day. But I do try to hold the rep. I don't try to hold anything between it. I don't do the strap holes or the, the coin holes. But when I when I squeeze it, I'll try to hold it for a second, release, and then on the last strap, I'll try to hold it as long as I can. Well, Big Jim, that's going to wrap things up. It was a, a pleasure to speak with you again, and thanks a lot for your time and being on the show, and uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Bob, thanks a lot. I had a great time. Thank you very much. Don't be a flamingo, you have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo, real lifters work their legs. That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on MindForceRadio.com. Please bookmark that website, MindForceRadio.com. Bob is always looking for new writers for naturalstrength.com who are old school, hardcore, write with passion and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at mindforceradio at earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time.